to us this morning. Good morning. Thank you very much. It's great to, great to be with you. If you've got your Bibles, um, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I felt, I felt this morning in the worship, we, we, we got to a point, um, and I think the song we were singing is where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Um, no, it wasn't that one. The last joyful dancing song, where, where, dancing generation, that's right. <laughs> I know, I'm not Santino. So, um, and I felt, I felt it's just a moment where God wanted to do something in our hearts and our lives. And that's, that's in a sense why I encouraged you to step out and engage. And sometimes our physical involvement, us stepping out of our comfort zone, sometimes that can open a door for God to bless us. So knowing what God has done for us is wonderful. And what Tracy shared is 100% spot on. But sometimes for us as individuals to engage with it, we need to step out of our comfort zone and, and do something that we've not done before. And that might be for some of us raising our hands, it might be praying out in an audible way, loud enough for someone to hear next to us. It might be that you jump up and down and, 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 and sort of out of your comfort zone. But, but to, when, we, when we worship God, it's to involve our whole bodies it's to involve our minds, it's to involve our emotion. That's what it is to worship God. It's to give him all of us. And so when I, you may have felt I was a little bit pushy. When I was pushing, it's because I didn't want you to miss what God had for you. And I felt there was a chance that due to passivity on our part, we may miss. And we can miss what God wants to do in our lives. We can just let him go straight by us because we haven't grabbed hold of him, because we haven't called out and grabbed hold and said, no, I want you today. I want to get hold of you today. And so that's why I, I, I encouraged you, because I thought, oh no, I don't want us to miss. There is a joy, a freedom, a liberty that is here today that, that we can miss out on. If, if I don't step out my comfort zone, if I don't push in to what God is doing. So just to give a little bit of explanation why I was a little bit pushy earlier. And uh, um, anyway... We are, we are now through to the last preach in our Ephesians series. Some of you are clearly looking forward to the next series, but that's all right. I'm, 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 a, bit, I'm a bit disappointed it's the last one. Why didn't Paul write a few more chapters? Why did he stop at chapter 6? Um, I feel it's been a brilliant series. I think, well, Ephesians is a brilliant book. It's, it's such a good letter to grab hold of, and... As we've been on this journey, really, since the beginning of the year, we've seen in the first three chapters of Ephesians, this masterpiece of salvation painted for us by the Apostle Paul. We have seen such heights, such glory, such, so, such amazing things that God has done to us, done for us through Jesus Christ. And certainly, as I've been preparing it and listening to the preachers, it's caused me to want to worship worship him to enjoy God and uh, 
I want to encourage you, if you haven't read Ephesians yet in your own time with God, do, do make sure. You know, resolve, decide today that tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up, I'm going to start reading Ephesians, and I'm going to pray for God to open my eyes to see it. So in the first three chapters we looked, we marveled at God's wonderful salvation. And then really over the second three chapters, it was all practical um, encouragement on how we're to live. How we're to live as Christians, as just individuals, and then he went on and started talking about... um, how we're to uh, uh, not steal anymore, we are to walk, we're to uh, work. Um, we, we then looked at what it is as husbands and wives, and if you're married, how, that, how your Christian faith is to look and how that is to be unpacked. We looked at children and parents. Steve looked last week and the week before at what it is to work for God and to use our workplace as an offering of worship to God. So whatever it is we give our time and our energy to, um, Monday through to Friday or at the weekend, how that can be an offering, an acceptable offering to God. And And then really we get finally to Paul's last instruction. We get, we get to his last major instruction where he, he sets the context in some ways. He, he, he sets a backdrop for us. He doesn't want us to forget the realm that we are living in and what is important. So why don't we um, read it together and then we're going to sort of see where we go from there. Finally, so this is Ephesians 6 verses 10 through to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes... For your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayers and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldness, sorry, in a, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. I'll just pray. Lord God, I ask you, would you enable me to communicate your word effectively this morning? I pray, Holy Spirit, for just sort of just fresh energy of your spirit to rest upon me. Lord, I, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that it is effective in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that as I speak, Lord, your word out, Lord, that you will cause it to bear fruit in our own lives. I pray, Lord, that it would inform our minds. I pray it would warm our hearts. I pray it would convict sin. I pray, Lord God, that you would come and have your way 
this morning. Lord God, this next half hour or so, it's yours. Lord, would you come and have your way, we pray. In your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. This morning, we're going to be talking about the whole subject of strengthening yourself in God. And what Paul does here, he's, he's painted a picture of the glorious gospel. He's given us a whole load of practical instruction. And then just as he finishes, he says, look, I want to remind you of the context we are living in. It's not just the physical realm. We are spiritual people living in a spiritual realm, and we have a real enemy. And the Apostle Paul didn't want the church at Ephesus to miss that. He wanted them to be aware. It's nearly like my closing remarks so you do not forget. This is really important for you. And within our Western culture, where we are often so focused on the here and now and material possessions and the things that we can enjoy right now, because we are so rich, we can forget the fact that actually we are also part of a spiritual world and that we have a spiritual enemy and we need to be aware of him and his schemes. And the Apostle Paul, in writing this letter, it's as though he stands in front of the church at Ephesus, like a sergeant might, with his troops on the front line, and he starts to give them some very practical instruction. There's a, uh, a, a series that I have watched a few times, and it's called Band of Brothers, and it's about the American 101st Airborne Division. And uh, it follows them, it tracks um, Easy Company all the way through from the Normandy landings in World War II right the way through to the end of the war. And there is one instance, and it isn't actually a sergeant, it's a lieutenant, but there's one instance where um, Easy Company, they're right in the middle of the front line and they've advanced to the edge of the front line and they're expecting a counterattack. So they're told to dig in. So they are all digging in along the front line. And the enemy starts to come over the brow of the hill. And, and they've got tanks and everything. And being the parachute regiment, they don't have any heavy armor, anything like that. They are totally, it feels to them, outgunned. And some of the soldiers, rather than standing at the edge of their, 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 their little um, sort of uh, trenches that they've dug, the pits they've dug, and firing, they're sat in the bottom of their trench in absolute fear shivering and quaking in fear at the enemy that is progressing, that the enemy is coming against them. And this lieutenant comes along and he's a bit of a mad, mad one. He's standing at the top of the trench as all the bullets are flying around. And he says, stand up, soldier. You're a soldier. You're, an air, you're in the 101st Airborne Division. You point that gun and you fire. You fire and you don't stop firing until you've got no bullets left. You keep going. You're a soldier. And in some ways, what the Apostle Paul is doing here is a little bit like that. He says, you are a soldier. You, you are one of God's, in God's army. Now stand up. Stand firm. Stand shoulder to shoulder with, with your comrades on either side. Do not stop fighting. Do not give ground. And whereas for the 101st, actually, in this instance, they were outgunned, we are not. We are not outgunned. But we have this same instruction for us right now, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. And this is how the Apostle Paul starts. He starts, you'll notice it here in verse 10. Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord. Now, I'll be, anyway, I'm getting carried away. 
But, but before, before I go into that, um, I, I want to look at this passage in three sections. So we're going to look at be strong you are in a fight, that's verses 10 to 13. We're going to then look at be prepared and put on your armour, verses 14 to 17. And then at the end we're going to be, we're going to look at verses 18 to 20, which is be prayerful, it makes a difference. Okay? So anyway, let's dive back in. Be strong, you are in a fight. And I want you to imagine the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Ephesus, and he says, be strong. Make that decision to be strong. Private, stand up in your trench. Grab your rifle, point it at the enemy, and start fighting. The decision to be strong is not something that God does in you. It's a decision that you make to stand and be strong. All the way through the Bible, there are commands for God's people to be courageous. Whether it's Joshua, who was told time and time again, be strong and courageous, for you will cause these people to inherit the land. David told Solomon to be strong and courageous, for you will build the temple. And the Apostle Paul is doing exactly the same. Do you remember a couple of years ago, we did a preach series called Strengthen Yourself in God. Because we as Christians have a personal responsibility to take what God has given us and to stand strong. To stand strong. So he says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Strengthen yourself in God and in the strength of his might. So when Paul is telling the church at Ephesus to be strong, it's not with their own resources, it's with God's. He says, be strong with God's resources that he has given you. And if you look in the first three chapters of Ephesians, you'll see some of these amazing resources that he has given. Put on the whole armour of God. And he actually goes on to list then, how can you be strong? You know, courage Courage is an internal thing, isn't it? Courage is an internal quality. And yet what Paul is saying, is, as he starts to describe it, is the way we are strong is we put on this armour. Although described, the picture, the illustration is an external one, in a sense what it's doing is fortifying our inner man. It's fortifying um, our soul. And then he goes on, he says, put on the full armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And what Paul says is we have got a, we have got a real enemy. The devil exists. One, one of his best tactics for his effectiveness and our ineffectiveness is for us to believe he doesn't exist. That's when he can work most effectively. But the Bible's very clear. He says, we have a real enemy. We have one we've got to be strong and we've got to stand against, and that is the devil. And this passage tells us a number of things about the devil. First thing it says is, he is powerful. He is a powerful foe. If you look at some of these phrases of his sort of creatures and things that operate on his behalf. It says, rulers, authorities against cosmic powers over this present darkness. Our enemy is powerful. He's defeated, but he's powerful. And we, we mustn't be complacent in our Christian lives. The second thing we find here is he's evil. 
You may, you may look across in society, you may look in the media, you, 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 you may read, I don't know, different books and things and think, oh, well, the devil's not, you know, a little funny creature with a tail and horns and a pitchfork. No, the devil is evil. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to ruin your life. He, 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 he in no way is neutral. He is a powerful being and he is evil and he is against you. And the third thing we see here is he has schemes. He is very cunning. He's been around for a long, long time. He was created a fallen angel. He's not equal to God. He's much, very, very much lower than God. It's not equal. It's not a really who's going to win. But, but he's been around a long, long time. And he knows how you're wired. He knows exactly what buttons to press to make you react in a certain way. He's not daft. He knows your weaknesses. He is cunning. And we need to be aware of that. He is powerful. He is cunning. He is evil. And that is why we are told to put on the whole armour of God. How is it that I am going to stand firm against his schemes? How is it that you're going to stand firm against the devil's schemes. Because he wants to trip you up. And he will use various different tactics to do that. He'll lead you into sin. He'll lead you into temptation. He'll lead you maybe into dispute with other people. So you think, I'm not going back to that church. Fell out with that person over there. If that's what they're like, I'm not going. Oh, he's delighted. He's delighted if you don't come back. He's, he knows when you're isolated, he can take you out easy. So how do we, how do we stand firm? Well, Paul says, be prepared and put on your armour. So if we pick it up in verse 14, it says this. Take up the armour, verse 13, take up the armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Now, commentators wonder what sort, of, what sort of truth is being spoken about here. So, some commentators say that it's the objective truth of the Bible that we've got to fasten on. And, and that certainly is true, that if you know the Bible and you're applying it to your life, that, that is an effective um, defense and help and strength in life. But I think, I don't know if that is exactly what he had in mind. I think that what Paul had in mind is that we are to fasten around ourselves truthfulness, uprightness in our behavior. That if we're to stand firm against the devil's schemes, the most important thing, or one of the first things we put on, is being upright and truthful in our way of life. You know what it's like if you live two different type of lives, how in the end it catches up with you. When there isn't an integrity in your life, how vulnerable you are. The Apostle Paul says, no, fasten this around your waist. Make sure that what Sunday looks like is exactly the same as what Wednesday looks like. Let truthfulness ring true right the way through in your life. The second thing 
that he tells us to put on is the breastplate of righteousness. Now again, the same question is asked, is this the imputed righteousness of Christ that we gain at our salvation, you know, where I, 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 I am declared righteous in God's sight? It, it may be, but I think as well as that at least, is that if you want to stand firm against the devil's schemes, living a righteous life is critically important. If you are dabbling in sin and you are living in compromise, you will not be able to stand against the devil's schemes. It's like a wide open door for him to shoot at you. It is so, so important. Truthfulness, righteousness in how we live are the foundations for Christian living and they're the foundations for standing strong and firm against the devil's schemes and achieving things for God and his kingdom. A breastplate of righteousness that as best you know, you're living right before God. Now all of us, come on, all of us trip up and mess up at certain times. Do you know what I mean? Other than Sue, I don't think there is anyone perfect in the room. So I'm not talking about that, but what I am saying is if you are living in ongoing sin and you are unrepentant, you are opening yourself up to the devil's schemes. You are not going to be able to stand firm. You won't be able to do it. The belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace we are standing firm against the devil's schemes we are looking to take his kingdom out we have prepared our feet we have prepared our lives to go and share about Jesus Christ Again, there's various, com problem with commentators is they don't agree. But I, I think when it comes to resisting the devil's schemes and taking the kingdom forward, there is nothing better than being ready to share our faith and share about what God has done in us. And I, I just, I don't know, I, I, I'm on a bit of a journey myself. I am becoming increasingly aware that, that God can use me at any point, in any time, if I'm open to him, if I'm ready. If I, my, if I, it's as though my feet are fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Whether it's down the seafront on a Monday morning, whether it's on the train on a Saturday, whether it was just going, just going for a run around town, opportunities to display something of God's love talk about what God is doing in our lives are all around if we are open to him. And I just want to ask you, you know, I don't think, you see, I don't think this is just about defensive. I think this is offensive. This is an opportunity here for us. I wonder, how open are you? How often do you pray just for random opportunities to express something of God's kindness and goodness to people you don't know or people you do know at work? There's opportunities all around if we are open to him feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace.
I wonder, I wonder how I wonder how much kingdom advance would take place this week if every single one of us thought or prayed, oh God, make me ready and bold this week. Give me an opportunity this week that I would be able to express something of God's love or kindness to people that do not know you. Paul says, make sure your, your feet are ready. Because I don't just want to be a Christian that is hiding in a trench waiting for that evil day to pass by. I want to be a Christian that is advancing shoulder, shoulder to shoulder with you guys as we look to take the kingdom of God out and drag people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's what it's about. Are your feet ready? Are you ready to share? If someone came up and said, tell me about the hope that is within you, what would you say? In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. There's that picture, isn't there, of these fiery arrows of doubt being sent in. How do we deal with them? Well, the picture that he has is of a big Roman rectangular sword. I think it was about a metre and a half high, about 700, uh, point, uh, just under a metre wide, and basically it could protect the whole man. Before they went into battle, they used to douse it in water. It was wooden with leather on the outside and sort of metal trim, and they douse it in water. So when the flaming arrows came over, they would be extinguished on that shield, that it wouldn't go through. And the reality of it is for all of us, well, if you're anything like me, I don't think a day goes by where I don't feel fiery little darts being fired at me. Doubts, fears, the devil knows me really well. He really knows how to press my buttons. So he keeps firing those darts. How do I extinguish them? I take faith. The very start of my salvation. My trust in God. In his promises. In his word. I take this faith and I use it. What? I'm saying I'm trusting God. I'm trusting your promises more than my feelings more than the accusations that I am hearing, more than the fears that are coming in, I am trusting you, Father. And for me, taking the shield isn't something I do every, you know, once a month. You know, it's, uh, maybe I'm just different from the rest of you. But I, I find I need the shield of faith next to my bed. Because when I wake up in the morning... How I handle the first half a dozen thoughts that come into my head probably set the context for the rest of my day. Am I going to believe the promises of God? Am I going to take hold of the shield of faith and extinguish the lies of the enemy? Or am I just going to go, do, 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 and I walk around the rest of the day with six arrows stuck out my chest? All fiery darts, all doubts, all lies, different things that I'm believing about the day. And by the end of it, it's it shaped everything. And the worst thing is it doesn't just shape me and my outlook, it shapes everyone else I come in contact with. Because I shape the environment I go into. So when I turn up on Tuesday morning for the staff prayer meeting and we're reviewing Sunday morning, how effectively I have handled the fiery darts of the enemy that have been fired into me will have a direct effect on my um, fellow elders and staff team and how our meetings go, why? Because I, I influence the environment that I'm in. I influence them. 
if I come with a faith and expectancy and a celebration of the grace and the goodness of God, I lift. I give faith, I give gifts of faith to them. If, if I come in with the arrow stuck out and another one just broken off and, oh, oh, Sunday was rubbish. Oh, Monday my day off was no good. God doesn't love me anymore. Oh, uh. what, what influence am I having on others? But you're in exactly the same position. Exactly the same place. Take up the shield of faith. You are believing. Come on. What am I saying you're doing here? You are believing the promise of God, not the lie. Some of you, some of you don't even know where your shield of faith is. You can't remember where you left it. Some of you don't know how to put it up. We, we need to learn. The shield of faith which we can extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. And take the helmet of salvation. Oh, wow. God's beautiful, wonderful salvation placed as a guard over my mind and my heart. The first half of Ephesians, those three chapters, placed as a guard over my heart and my mind. Church, how familiar are you with your salvation? How much do you love it? How much do you love what God has done for you? Now, I don't say this to condemn you. I say it to convict you, to challenge you. What do you, if, if, if you find little joy in your salvation, I imagine you spend little time thinking about it. But if you spend time enjoying, reading, trying to understand what God has done. If you invite the precious person of the Holy Spirit to come and fill you afresh and give you understanding, he will. He will open your heart and your mind to this wonderful salvation that we have. It's a guard over your mind. It's a guard over your heart. And then he says, take the sword of the Spirit. That's the word of God. It's this. A Roman sword was short and sharp and was meant to be used close and personal. Janet? I need something. You know? It, it, was, it was only about that long. You know? Sorry, you may need to find yourself a new husband for. Uh, it, was, it was in close combat, right. Sorry, actually, that was a bit harder than I expected. <laughs> But it's, it's, it's up close. You, you, the Romans didn't throw their swords, you know, oh, I'll just throw it over there. It, it was a coming up. It was a, a come up in a line. You've got your shield. You come and you stab. It's, it's close. You, you confront your problems close up. You take the word of God that is specific to the problem and you jab the promise of the word of God right through the heart of your fear, your anxiety, and you kill it. Thank you, sir. I'm not going to kill you. That's how it works. That, that's the sword of the Spirit. It's the word of God. And it says sword of the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to make it effective in our lives. If, if, you, if you're reading the Bible and, and you don't understand it, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
because the Holy Spirit illuminates the Bible. Maybe you've never been baptised in the Holy Spirit. You need to be. You can be today. You can be today. But the sword of the Spirit is a weapon for close quarter fighting. So you take your anxiety, you take your problem, you take the lie of the enemy, and you take the promise of the Word of God, the promise that is there, and you kill it with it. Does that make sense? But that American Marines, I am told, are drilled in, 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 in small arms sort of training. So, so with their machine guns, their rifles, their pistols, they, the US Marines are drilled time and time again to take them apart, to put them together, to be able to fire them, to sort out problems. They are experts so that when they come to a time of conflict, when they come to a time of battle, and all hell has broken loose, when that happens, they know how to fire. We need to know the word of God in the same way, so that when all hell breaks loose against you, you know how to fight. You need to know the word of God. I've you, told you before, haven't I, about the little memory cards I've had in my pocket, different things I've done, my little black book I told you about last time, which worried some of you, with Bible verses in it. Why? Because I need, I need to be an expert with the word of God and specific promises that kill the fiery darts of the enemy. You know, when he is attacking, I know, and he attacks me in a certain way, I need to use the word of God to get rid of it. So, the second point was be prepared and put on your armour. And then lastly, it's be, prayer, be prayerful, it makes a difference. Verses 18 to 20, pray at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication, making requests for all the saints. This is a spiritual battle and we need to pray. I've, I've, I've been challenged, convicted in the last month about, about how much I am praying. I am praying more now than I was last month. And you may say, well, you should, you're my pastor. So it's good that someone's praying. You need to pray too. This wasn't, let, this wasn't written to the elders at Ephesus. It was written to the church at Ephesus. And some of you, if I can be so bold, are really struggling and caught and don't feel you can get out of your situations. Let me ask you, are you praying are you really laying hold of God and praying? Have you had a day where you've prayed and fasted about this situation and sought God for breakthrough? Are you going after him in prayer? Praying at all times. Cool, that's quite, at all times. You know, you could even have been praying while I was preaching. May have helped me actually, if you had been. Praying at all times, in the spirit. Again, oh, Friends, if you're struggling to pray, ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. That's why he's been given, to help you to pray. Ask someone who's a bit older in the faith how they pray. Let them give you some lessons to help you. Try, look to just live a life where you are frequently, continually praying. Take different opportunities when you're traveling 
when you're washing up, when you're doing a task that doesn't really involve a lot of concentration, just to pray. Ask God. The more specific our requests, the more specific the answers we get. Learn how to pray. Be prayerful, it makes a difference. We have a real enemy. He's out to get us, but God has won the victory in Jesus Christ. He is a defeated foe. A bit like that story I told you at the very beginning, where the lieutenant went along the top of the the, the trench and said, stand up and fight, soldier. There was no doubt who was going to win the war. The Allies were going to win the war, but there was still a fight to be had. And it's the same for us. Church, I want to encourage you to stand strong, to stand firm, to make sure you put on all of the armour of God, that you can stand against his schemes, because there's nothing more he would like to do than to trip you up. He has purposes, and it's not that we just stand in a foxhole waiting for it to die down. We've got kingdom advance. We've got people to tell about Jesus. We've got sick people to see healed. We've got oppressed people to see set free. This is why we're here. This is why we've been armed up. If it, it talks here, when it talks about putting on the armour, it's like heavily armed. I don't know if you see yourself like that, but that's what it would be in the original Greek. You are heavenly, heavenly, heavenly. You are heavenly armed and you are heavily armed. Christians, that we can take ground, that we can go out for him, that we can make a difference. That's why we're here. That's what, what it's all about. Why don't we stand? Ali, could I just invite you just up, just to strum the guitar? Would that be all right? Why don't you just raise your hands where you are right now? And why don't you just invite God to come and speak to you? He may highlight something to you. It might be that you think, oh, I think I've, I've lost my breastplate of righteousness in a sense that my, I know there's an area of my life I need to repent of. We're not talking here about are you righteous in God's sight. We're talking about are you, how, are you living a life of disobedience to him and you need to take that off because it's not part of your identity and it gives an opportunity for the devil to trip you up. Well, you need to repent of that. A change of thinking, repentance. For others of you, it might be those gospel shoes. You want to put them on. I want to take the gospel out this week. I want to have an adventure with Jesus. I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm available, Lord. For others of you, it's that shield of faith. You forgot where you put it. Lord, I thank you so much that we are in your army. I thank you, you are commander-in-chief. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that on the cross, you, you, you have defeated the enemy. What we're involved in now is just mopping up operations, but he is a real foe, and he is dangerous. Lord, we say we're in your army, and as soldiers in your army, we want to live for you. Lord, I pray, help us. Lord, if we've left any of our armor lying around, and I'm not effectively pursuing you with it lord god i pray right now would you you highlight highlight that to us i pray we pray with the whole area of prayer lord would you birth within us a, a whole hunger for prayer i pray a grassroots movement of prayer birthing within us as a community of people lord god that not only transforms our own lives but transforms our communities our town 
the whole of 1066 country. Lord God, would you come and do it? Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Lord, we obey you. We want to follow you totally and wholeheartedly. Lord, would you come and have your way, we pray, Lord God. Amen. Anna, you've got a few, um, a few words of knowledge for healing. Um, so for those of you who aren't familiar with words of knowledge, basically, um, sometimes um, God speaks to um, people. He um, can give you an impression or um, a physical symptom um, of what might be wrong. And um, I just had a sense that there might be some people here this morning who these things relate to. So if any of these make sense, it'd be great just to pray with you at the end. There's going to be a prayer team available. It'd be really great if you could come forward. So um, the first one is... Um, Somebody suffering, suffering from a, a duodenum ulcer um, that's giving them a lot of pain in the right-hand side of their body. Um, so if that makes sense, come forward. Um, also, I felt there might be somebody here who um, has had an injury from um, doing archery um, with like a bow and an arrow. I'm not sure if it's like a tendon injury um, or whether um, there's something um, actually with the arrow or something, but... Um, if that makes sense. And also, I felt that there was somebody specifically with a, a fear of lifts. Um, actually, just the thought of going in an, e in an elevator. Um, maybe even as I'm talking about it now, you can feel sort of panic rising. Um, so if any of those things make sense, then I'd love to pray with you. Thanks very much. We're going to uh, close our meeting there. But if you want to respond to any of those words of knowledge, we believe in a God who heals come to the front and we will pray for you. But if there's other stuff that has happened to you during the meeting, either in the worship or the preach, and you just want to process it, get some prayer for it, um, please come to the front at the end and there'll be people here, a team here, happy to pray with you. Which is also, if you're part of the ministry team, if you can come forward, that'd be absolutely brilliant. Thanks so much. Have an absolutely brilliant week. We will see you, small group, community group life this week. Um, have a great week. Thank you.